This is Fostering Conversations with Utah Foster Care, where we have insightful conversations about parenting for bio, foster, adoptive, or blended families to better understand the experiences we all face as families. Hello, everyone out there. I'm Deborah Lindner. No matter what your orientation or gender identity, you can become a licensed foster parent in Utah. And that surprises a lot of people. I'm here with Liz Rivera, my co-host, as we roll out this episode. It's Pride Month in Utah, and we want to express our pride for all the LGBTQ foster families we have. Absolutely. Pride and appreciation. And I still remember the day the ruling came out that legalized same-sex marriage. It was a Friday afternoon late, and it was all over the news. I called our CEO at the time, and I said, does this mean they can be foster parents in Utah? And she said, I think so. And starting that very next month, we started having LGBTQ couples. And we had always had individuals, but now that they could be married, they could be foster parents. And we were so excited, and it's been a wonderful journey to have so many families join us. I remember that time, too. We had uh, foster parents get on the air and talk about it. But even years afterwards, people still don't quite get it, that yeah. you can foster and adopt in Utah. I think one thing that happens is that it's not the same all across the country. No. And so they hear something that's happening in Pennsylvania, and we just really want to say, in Utah, you're here. We got you. We need you. We want you. Please come. And we are so proud of our team of LGBTQ foster parents. So Liz, go ahead and introduce our guest. We're really excited to have Jeremy and Tyler. They are foster parents here in Utah. Yay. They're from Northern Utah, if I remember correctly. And they'll share a little bit about their experience doing foster care. And we'll turn the mic to you guys. Hi there. So we first got licensed back in, was it 29, 18, 2018. We really wanted to have kids. We talked about it for a really long time and realized that we could go through that whole process. And it took about a month of the training courses to get through, which is pretty standard, but completing that was really not that, not as difficult as we thought it was going to be. There's a long list, but not too bad. They very welcoming. It didn't matter who you were or what you were. It was so inclusive with everybody and they treated you all equally. And just the whole process was fun and enlightening. There's a, a lot of training courses in there that I think my parents could have benefited from and, and just any parents in general. There's a lot of good resources on the website online to do that. But, but yeah, in our experience, Jeremy and I, we wanted to have kids for so many years and we talked about it and talked about it and through college, it was never the right time. And we finally just decided this is the right time. And our first foster child ended up being Jeremy's cousin's son. We found out that he had been born in the foster care system when they contacted our family. We were about halfway done with our license and we said, okay, let's get this done and let's see if we can get him down here. Ended up being an ICPC, an interstate compact because it was in Idaho, but we were able to begin fostering him down here in Utah. And in 2019, we were able to, to finally adopt after getting through the full system. We got through all the court stuff and the, the mother had relinquished rights, enabling that full adoption to happen. Throughout the whole course, the instructors down to our, our gals that helped us. Oh, caseworkers, our caseworkers, our RFCs, the guardian of Lydum, they were so supportive of everything. They 
of course had questions they asked us to help with their training along as well if they did come across lgbtq foster families we weren't worried about speaking up to help with other cases we have a very supportive team of foster parents and it's a whole supportive community what kind of support did you get from other foster parents there's an immense amount of support. So the first thing that your RFC will send you to is the Facebook page for your zone. For us, we have the Northern Utah Foster Care Group, and that's one of the biggest resources when it comes to anything from car seats to clothing to formula. They also have the little storage units that are all around these areas as well that people can take donations to. A lot of people take diapers and toys and things. So huge network there, as well as for the LGBT community, there's a separate page there also that has events that get scheduled and help there and questions can be answered, things like that. Really, there's a lot of networking going on all the time between a lot of families and it's so much help. People are asking just even simple questions on what's this in court or how do I do that? Or does anyone have formula? So really there's nothing bad in any way when it comes to having to figure out something that you're having a problem with. It's really fantastic. Wonderful. That's what we love to hear. So I want to broaden our perspective, more of a national perspective, because we have another guest with us today too. Ted Lewis, who's joining us from Richmond, Virginia, is the Director of Youth and Families Program with the Human Rights Campaign. And so Ted, if you want to share with us some of your work and how it intersects with child welfare, we'd sure appreciate it. Thanks so much. I'm excited to be here with you all talking about this important topic, especially for Pride Month. So happy Pride, everyone. I have the pleasure of working with HRC's All Children, All Families initiatives, and we work with child welfare agencies. So that's like foster care, adoption, even the CASA teams. We work with them to ensure that they are confident and how to support LGBTQ youth in care, as well as LGBTQ people seeking to become parents. And one thing I think is important to note is that same-sex couples are actually seven times more likely to adopt or adopt through foster care than opposite-sex couples. And that's from a report from the Williams Institute that came out just in 2020. So we know after the same-sex marriage decision and a lot of the other changes that have happened in our country, more LGBTQ folks are looking to expand their families and are utilizing the foster care system to adopt and foster wonderful young people who are in need of homes. So it's an amazing resource that has been opened up for children in care. What trends are you seeing nationally with foster care and same-sex couples? What are you seeing? So we're seeing a lot more agencies open their doors to same-sex couples and transgender people to be adoptive parents or foster parents. And we think that's because there's become an increase in comfort level with the LGBTQ community overall, not to mention the legal changes that you mentioned. There's been several studies that have shown that same-sex parents have the same success rate as opposite-sex parents in terms of raising children. Same-sex parents provide loving, caring homes. And foster agencies are also realizing there's an overabundance of LGBTQ young people in care. And so many LGBTQ folks are stepping up to foster children, sometimes LGBTQ, in order to provide them with a safe and affirming home. A lot of times, LGBTQ young people in care end up in what's called congregate care or group homes. 
because there aren't adoptive families that are ready to assist with an LGBTQ young person and specifically a transgender young person as they, you know, journey through adolescence. And so a lot more LGBTQ people are stepping up and a lot more agencies have been comfortable working with same-sex couples and transgender people as adoptive and foster parents. I did see Jeremy and Tyler nodding their heads when you spoke about the community being more welcoming. Have you found it to be that way? Personally, for where I work and my family, it's always been accepting. And as we go further into the future, it's becoming more accepting. One thing we've talked to foster parents about is that being in foster care is always difficult. Being LGBTQ in foster care is that added layer of difficulty. And so we've always talked with families about the risks that, that those kids face and the importance of those children being fully accepted in, into the families. And I can only imagine that if we're accepting LGBTQ foster parents, that's only going to help our acceptance of LGBTQ kids in care as well. Occasionally, we do still hear stories, though, of, of children in Utah who identify under the queer umbrella that we're having a hard time finding placements for because of that. And we hope that this just continues, this openness and acceptance continues to grow. Our primary audience are foster parents. So, Ted, what would you say to the foster parents out there about accepting children of different gender identities? So I think that people are born LGBTQ. They may not realize it and share that with others or come out until a little bit later. So LGBTQ youth who are out and in care often tend to be older youth in care. So if you're a foster parent and you're open to fostering, look at some of the older youth that are in care who might need some assistance. A lot of folks look for trying to foster younger folks, right? Because they want that longer relationship. Totally understand that. But we also need to look at our older youth in care. The other piece is to recognize that your job is to love, care, and support that young person. You're never going to fully understand a teenager. I don't care if it's from your family of origin or adopted or foster parent. You're just never going to. And the same is true for LGBTQ teens. What you can do is provide them a loving, supportive home and then provide them with a community that's going to accept and love them. That could be connecting them to their GSA at their school, a local LGBTQ youth organization, or finding support for your whole family at a place like PFLAG, which is an organization that has chapters across the country that helps parents and families support LGBTQ people of all ages. So I think the big thing is don't look at a LGBTQ or transgender child in care as some sort of additional hurdle or some sort of additional problem that you have to solve. Look at them as you would any other young person that's needing a home. Your job is to love, support, and care for them. And if you're a good foster parent, you can do that with any child that's coming into care. And we'll make sure that we have links to some other resources, local as well as national, because there is a lot of amazing support and training out there. I have noticed that a lot of our same-sex couples, especially, take older kids. Jeremy and Tyler, what age ranges are you taking and what have you found with different ages just in general? We opened up placements to two five and under. And I guess you could say that's a little bit selfish, but we wanted to grow a young family. And I, I think there are a lot of other families out there that are in similar situations. We classify ourselves as a foster to adopt family where there, there are a lot of families who are just fostering, where the kids are more likely to go back to their parents. We did end up with Jerry's cousin's son, which kind of that all fell in place because we're kin and worked out really well. So we adopted him when he was about one. 
And our daughter, we actually got her at three days old from the hospital, very young. And that was a, a whole new experience to, to us. When our son came into care, he was about eight months. And so a brand new newborn baby was quite an experience, lack of sleep and learning the, the ropes for sure. But we didn't really have anything against going a little older. And still right now we are open to a third child. We just hope that it would be between the ages of five and zero. We would love for our son to be the oldest just because he's been in that role at this point. But I think a lot of people are scared to have teens. And to be honest, our RFC contacted us not long ago about a sibling group that was a teenager and a four-year-old mm -hmm. that were needing placement. And we actually really considered it. The only problem is we don't have enough rooms in our house for that. And so there's a limiting factor to some of these things, but I think that a lot of people are just scared because they don't know how to make those connections. They're worried that they, these teens have already made up their decisions and things, and it's not true. There's so much love to be shared and held between these children and so much opportunity for them to become who they really are and blossom into a great adult. So I think that initially we, we started off young, but I, just like I said, we have nothing against considering older kids in foster care because they just need homes. They just want love. They just want to be in, in a place that they can be themselves and, and grow. One thing I always tell people too, is even if you adopt them when they're young, they'll eventually be teenagers. Oh yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you will have deeds and eventually you'll get that experience. So Ted, we are a contract agency of the state here in Utah. What can agencies do to best support our LGBTQ foster parents? Perspective, current, adopting, how do we best support? The first thing is to make yourself available and known to the community. Some folks who are LGBTQ are hesitant about whether or not they're going to be accepted by agencies who are seeking foster and adoptive parents. And so sometimes you need to go out of your way to show your support. And it can be as something as small as saying happy pride on your social media or on your website, having a section on your website that talks about or features same-sex couples who have adopted or have fostered some of the success stories. Basically, the community's looking for ourselves to be represented in your marketing materials or just know that this is going to be a safe place. And I'll say that's particularly true for agencies who have a uh, connection to a faith community. Now, by no means am I saying that people of faith or faith communities are always anti-LGBTQ, that is certainly not the case. But we also know that there are, unfortunately, some faith-based organizations that are not accepting of the community. So if you are a faith-based group and you are accepting, it's even more important to put yourself out there and let the community know. And I think you'd be surprised how much doing something as small as attending a pride festival can go in terms of recruiting potential foster parents or adoptive parents, letting the community know that you're a safe and supportive place that might actually spark in some folks' minds that they could be a parent to a young person in need of a loving caring home. For a lot of our community, we maybe haven't thought of that before because of our experiences with our own family or maybe our experiences working with faith-based groups, et cetera. So put yourself out there, let people know that you're accepting, share stories of successful families that you've placed. And just remember that the goal is to get as many young folks into loving, caring homes as possible. 
And so we want as many adults who are ready, willing, and able to step up to the plate and be foster and adoptive parents, just like Tyler and Jeremy did. And the last piece I'll just add, because I think it's really important to Tyler and Jeremy's story, is you also always want to look for those kinship connections. And having that kinship relationship allows that young person to stay within the broader family. And as you're looking for kinship relationships as well, don't discount LGBTQ family members who might be able to adopt a kin relative. Sometimes, again, you have to go out of your way to say, hey, I know you all are a same-sex couple. We do work with same-sex couples. You have to go a little bit above and beyond to make sure that couple knows that, yes, you do want them and that them being LGBTQ is not going to be a barrier to being a foster or adoptive parent. And you can be single. You don't have to be married. You can be a single person of any identity mm -hmm. to be a foster parent. That's another myth that a lot of people have. Mm -hmm. Come one, come all. We want to make sure all children and all families have the support and connection that they need. I really love what you said, Ted. The goal is to get as many children into loving families as possible and that we don't ever want to preclude any of those adults that could be those loving connections for kids. Some people will say the wrong thing. What kind of language do you use? What kind of terminology? Ted, do you have some tips on, on your website or even just off the top of your head? And we certainly have some information on our website, including some of our archived webinars that are open to the public. And there are some in there about how to support LGBTQ young folks. So thank you all for putting that link in the description of the podcast. I would say that the key is not to worry about if you're going to mess up, but figure out what you're going to do when you mess up, because everyone messes up, myself included. Recognize that you made a mistake, you apologize, and you figure out how to move forward. And sometimes the little mistakes are things like making assumptions about the, the family relationship with the person you're talking to. So let's say you were at an event and Tyler came up to the table and you and were talking to just Tyler and he said, oh, we would love for you and your wife to consider adopting. You're making an assumption, but you don't really know Tyler's situation. You made a mistake. Tyler said, actually, I have a husband. Oh, you know what? My apologies. I didn't realize that. Silly me. I made an assumption. We would love for you and your husband to adopt. As LGBTQ folks, and I hate to say this, but we're used to folks making mistakes because we've made them ourselves. And so it's not so much about worrying about whether or not you're going to say the right or wrong thing. What are you going to do when you do mess up? The last thing I'll say is, as you're working with transgender individuals, it's important that you recognize the person and believe them when they tell you who they are. If they share their name and pronoun, regardless of what's on their legal documentation, refer to them as that name and pronoun. We do this already with folks. Like my legal name is Theodore, which growing up was a nightmare because I grew up in the area of Alvin and the Chipmunks and Theodore was not the fun chipmunk of the three. So I was Ted and I've never had a colleague or a boss or a doctor or anybody say, well, I have to call you Theodore. People call me Ted. It's a sign of respect. It's a way to build a connection. It's similar with transgender folks. You just use the name that they go by and the pronoun that they use. And again, you're going to mess up. Everybody does. You just apologize and figure out how you can move forward together. That's great advice. I was just thinking as you were talking, I taught the pre-service for prospective foster parents a few months ago, and I had two individuals, both single. And the night we talk about culture, we were talking about language and, and how we talk about ourselves. This And one of the individuals talked about how they experience the world and their place in it. And the other individual had almost the opposite point of view. 
So just that reminder, once again, we're dealing with individuals, even though we're thinking about LGBTQ, it's a group of people. Every single one of those people are individuals and that we want to be really open to letting people, like you said, just believing when people tell us who they are and let them be individuals. Yeah, we always say in all children, all families, you don't have to be an expert, but you do have to be open. What we mean by that is you don't have to know everything to be a great ally, to be a great community partner, to be a great agency member, family member, et cetera. But you have to be open to those differences and open to learning more. So you don't have to know everything. And if you're an uh, LGBTQ person looking to be a foster or adoptive parent, the great news is you don't have to have all the answers. You just have to be willing and open to bring a young person into your home. And then as Tyler and Jeremy shared, you can work with the agency to figure out exactly what that looks like. And you'll get lots of training to ensure that you're ready to welcome that young person into your home. So even if you're just contemplating, like maybe we want to expand our family, please reach out to agencies and start having that conversation early. It's not a simple process of walking into an agency and a week later, you've got placement at home. Right? I'm sure Tyler and Jamie can tell you it's a little bit more complex than that. So if you're even just thinking about it, reach out, build relationships, get on the mailing list, learn more about the process and just be open for expanding your family and welcoming a young person into your home. We'll open that door. So Tyler and Jeremy, as we're, as we're getting close to wrapping up, there's a couple out there like you who are interested in this, but they're like, oh, we just don't really know. What would you say? So I would say the best thing to do is go to the Utah Foster Care page and find out when some of the classes are going to be. They're free. Show up and take a couple classes, learn a little bit about it and ask questions. There are breaks during that time in the classes as well. And most of the parents that are in there taking classes are also fulfilling hours to upkeep their license yearly. So you can talk to other foster parents in person, learn a little bit about the process. And one of the best parts again is it's free. The whole process is totally free. And even through the adoption, the state assists you all the way through adoption, if you so choose to bring a child into your life permanently into your home. So the resources are literally all there. It's just, it's never going to be the right time. Let's just say that it's never going to be the right time. We, we can all say that we're not ready yet. We're not ready yet. But until you just finally say, all right, let's just do it. You're never going to do it. Hop on that website, check it out, find a class and then just start the process. And if you find that it's really not for you, no one's going to judge you for it. And if it's not the right fit, it's just not. And it's better that you tried it out than never tried. Great advice. Ted, any final thoughts for you? I would say that, you know, exactly what Tyler and Jeremy said it is, is right on the nose. If you are looking to expand your family, this is an opportunity for you to learn more about youth and need. And who knows what you might find when you get there. The fact that Tyler and Jeremy have a kinship adoption, it's actually more common than you would think. And so there might even be members of your extended family that need a home and you could be that home. So I would say don't let your worry or concern keep you from reaching out. You're never going to know what kind of reception you're going to get until you try. And so go out there, learn more and expand your family. And remember, there's an overrepresentation of LGBTQs in care. And so you could also be a loving, caring home for someone who's in our community. And we need that more than you could ever know. As always, education is the key. We have ongoing training. You're not just left high and dry. Yeah, absolutely not. And I was going to say when 
uh, Jeremy was talking about coming to classes. If you come in person, we'll have snacks too. So not only are they yes. free, but we feed you. We do both online and in person. Yes. And people have loved transitioning back to that. Yeah, it's been so much fun to get back in person. We want to remind everyone out there, if you're a licensed foster parent, you can get in-service training credit for listening today. Our thanks to our wonderful foster parents from Northern Utah, Jeremy Herndon and Tyler Lee. And of course, to Ted Lewis, Human Rights Campaign's Director of Youth and Family Programs. And to everyone out there, please help us spread the word that if you're LGBT and you live in Utah, you can foster and adopt. Thank you, of course, to Liz Rivera, my co-host, and thanks to our producer, Marshall Shearer Davis. Most of all, thank you to all the foster parents out there. And if you're not a foster parent, go to utahfostercare.org. Find out, ask questions. Remember, you don't need to know everything to be a foster parent. You just need to be willing to learn. We'll see you next time. This has been Fostering Conversations with Utah Foster Care. Thank you for joining us. For more information, go to utahfostercare.org. We'll see you next time.